Make the holidays yours with a little help from the Home Depot app. How doers get more done. Wonder if you should get tested for colorectal cancer? Well, it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S. And screening helps prevent it. So if you're 50 or older, it's time. Even if it doesn't run in your family. Most often, colorectal cancer occurs in people with no family history. And it doesn't always cause symptoms, especially early on. So don't wait for symptoms to get tested. Screening helps prevent the disease by finding precancerous polyps so they can be removed. Remove the polyp, prevent the cancer. Screening also helps find colorectal cancer early when treatment works best. You might be thinking, oh no, not that test. But here's the thing, you have options. There's more than one screening test. Talk to your doctor to find the one that's right for you. No more excuses. If you're over 50, get tested. Because colorectal cancer screening really does save lives. A message from HHS and CDC's Screen for Life campaign. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM. KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. The Sports Hangover 800-998-1003. A couple of top headlines that we've been following throughout the day today. First and foremost, uh, for the Pels, not good news as Kyra Lewis has suffered a torn ACL and grade 2 MCL sprain in last night's loss to the Denver Nuggets in overtime. Kyra did score in the game and... Unfortunately, as one of the last buckets you'll hear from him from the season. On the arc, chested over to Highland. Highland out of ECU. Drives to the dotted line. Tried to go behind the back, and it's stripped and stolen. Now coast to coast. Kyra! There you go. That's the speed. That's the speed, and that's using it properly. Highland, on the other hand, tried to do a little rondo on him. Yes, he did. And lost the ball. Five points for him in nine minutes, and again, it just stinks. Um, Three assists in those nine minutes. Hopefully he comes back and, and, and that's, I mean, you hear the Shazer say it, it. That's the speed. That's what he was known for. I'm sure he can recover fully and let's see him get back here in, in the near future. But as far as the Pelicans go, I, I look, I, to me, I, I think the star of the night, honestly, was Herb Jones. I know Valanchunas had the most points on the team, 27, but 19 points for Herb Jones, eight of 11 from the field. Two of two from three-point land. We had seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, two blocks. And then the highlight. It's the highlight of highlights of last night. Don't you think? Sadoransky floats it to Ingram up top. Get it to Herb. Drives on Gordon. Oh, Herb! He threw it down over Jokic. Oh, my goodness, Herb! He threw it down! Herb with the punch. <laughs> That's good stuff. Lost in overtime, though, unable to capitalize on execution. At least that's what Coach Green and several of the players said after the game. And unfortunately, 10 right now. They're 1-9 in, in games in which they had a chance to take the lead and go up. Just could not get it and get that W, just some late game issues there as well. A couple of turnovers, lots of turnovers. Uh, Josh Hart had six in the game. Brandon Ingram had six in the game. So kind of stinks um, that they were unable to get it. Here's Coach Green on those situations, one and nine, the record right now in the season. They're seven and 20. Just got to get better executing. Simple. Um, and you guys saw tonight, we had moments where we were great, especially in the second half. And then down the stretch, we just didn't execute well enough. As for Herb Jones, who had a nice night, does it stink to put up such a nice night and not get the win? Uh, I mean, we still we still learning. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of basketball. Uh, you can play really well, and your team may not come out with the victory. Um, and we all just go back to the drawing board and get back to work. 
Indeed. Got to get back to work and hopefully can figure things out here. Brandon Ingram on what went wrong. In overtime, they made they just made more shots than us. Um, I think Jokic just made play after play after play, um, the right play after play after play. And um, in overtime, we didn't make shots. Um, could have had a little bit better execution um, on the offense and defensive end. And um, thinking in overtime is where I got to be. Um, more aggressive. I got to make the adjustment and um, find a way to, to help out our team. So we will see um, how this team can continue to, to fight. I, I do look, I, I thought you watched that game last night and look, crowd sounded nice too. Maybe some folks there to see Denver, but I, I think people are seeing that this team is going to compete on night in and night out. And again, Valanchunas played well, but Jokic is an MVP. I mean, 39 points. Right? 39 points. And 11 boards to go with it. And in the overtime, just was, uh, he was tough, tough to defend. Coach Green on the attempt to defend Joker. Yeah, he's a tough cover. Um, no matter what you do, guys like him, when they make their mind up, they, they can score. Um, our game plan was to, try to stay home with a lot of their guys uh, and make him have to score. We did somewhat of a good job of that, but his shot fakes got us a few times getting to the free throw line. Um, but like I said, we, we did enough to win the game. We just didn't take care of the basketball. And and if I can keep it as simple as I can, that's the key for us. Take care of the basketball. Yeah. Again, turnovers. Six from Brandon Ingram, six from Josh Hart. General D was texting me throughout the game. Josh Hart turnover. Again, another one. Josh, what are you doing? So, I mean, look, some come in, in the in in the in the play of game. Some come because of the result of game. But when you see missed, you know, just missed opportunities like throwing it out of bounds, it's it's just tough. Stuff to overcome for sure. So we've been talking about that. We'll talk a little bit more in Daniel Salas in the next segment about that. The other Topic and headline we've been touching on. Saints Jets now a five and a half point favorite. They were a five point favorite, but the injury report came out yesterday and it showed that Alvin Kamara was on it, but full participation. Taysom Hill, right finger, full participation. Caden Ellis, hamstring, limited. Teron Armstead, knee, limited. Marcus Davenport, shoulder, limited. That's good. It's good to have Davenport back. It's good to have Ellis. Armstead, be nice, right? I mean, at least that's the hope that they're limited on Wednesday. We'll see them on Sunday. Pete Werner, elbow, didn't practice. Ryan Ramchek, knee, didn't practice. It looks like the Saints still may be out without their right tackle. But Taysom yesterday was asked the obvious set of questions. First and foremost, how does the finger uh, I, I felt okay throwing the ball today. Um, again, it was kind of one of those things Sunday where I felt like I was able to do what I needed to do. And... I think that will be, again, a, a work in progress throughout this week to see what my effectiveness is. As far as what I, <clears throat> what I do as far as the splint and tape and all that, um, we've tried a handful of different things already. Uh, we'll continue to try other things and figure out what works best. So in the obvious follow-up, so what does it feel like to try to grip, throw, go through everything you need to do with the fingers splinted taped or what have you no i i don't i don't have a lot of pain uh with the finger you know i've i've kept it splinted since it happened and and so uh that that really i haven't had any pain when it's when it's in the splint um i think the sensation of gripping the ball throwing the ball that that has changed and that that's been the biggest thing and, and as i mentioned earlier it's trying to figure out what is the best process to have that feel as normal as possible um and, and that's what we're working through because, you know, you, you do something to your, your hand and your finger on your throwing throwing hand and uh, all of a sudden things change and you're trying to adjust. Uh, you would think so for sure. Now, the other question he was asked about the finger specifically, does he think he'll need surgery now or maybe in the future? No. Um, there's obviously there's a couple options. You can have surgery. You can fix it that way uh, or you can splint it for eight weeks and... Hopefully that that scars down and you have the full use of your hands. So we've we've explored different options. We've had multiple conversations with other specialists, and um, you know I think right now I'm, I'm gonna sorry uh, just try to try to try to splint it 
and see how that does. But, um, you know, if you can avoid surgery, I'm certainly a fan of doing that. One of the other things, too, it's, it's, a, it's a very you know, mature way to approach and look at it here as well. Although at the end of the day, it is his throwing hand. But Taysom says he understands with the injury that the old, or are you actually hurting the team or helping the team? Look, we had this discussion last year with Drew. Remember? Well, if he has that many broken ribs, basically he's torn to bits. Why not play someone else? So he was asked about this specifically yesterday. Look, that's a tough thing to do. You know, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to find that balance. Uh, if if I'm being honest, and I've I've had conversation with some of the coaches. Like, listen, I'm going out to play. I'm going out to compete. I'm going out to to practice at full go this week. And um, if you guys see something to where you feel like I can't be as effective as I need to be, then then you know I, I get it and. I'm a team guy. Like I'll I'll be available to play at, at whatever capacity you know that looks like. Um, but my mindset, you know, is to prepare prepare to play at, at full capacity, and then we'll we'll go from there. I don't know how else to approach it. And then finally, obviously, getting that opportunity for the next five games to prove it. And it stinks that he's not fully healthy, and it stinks they don't have the team's best receiver that's saying anything and Deontay Harris for the next three games it just stinks they didn't have the full t- I, I understand all that but again Tom Brady's dealt with stuff Aaron Rodgers has dealt with stuff Kyler Murray has missed games for the Cardinals I mean it, you're not going to go through an entire football season without adversity much less dealing with injuries not only personally but two key position groups or players on your team so I do think it's part of what do they do moving forward Here's his opportunity. Look, he understands that. He absolutely knows. Hey, I get the Saints into the playoffs. Hmm? Hmm? And if I don't play well, then... Hmm. Right? I don't know. I mean, look, we, we've we've talked at length of this year for me and the ups and the downs and, you know, managing expectations and disappointment and all that stuff. And and I will tell you throughout this year, um, I have learned that you just, you manage, you manage the opportunities that come your way. And uh, that's really been where my mindset has been, you know, what can I do each week to help our team, you know, win football games and, and be effective. And so that mindset has carried me through the season. Uh, it's no different now than it was last week than the previous week. And um, so, you know, now that I've had an opportunity to play full-time QB, you know, this is the next opportunity for me. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, take it, take advantage of that and, and help us win games. Quick break. We come back. Daniel Salerson said he's going to sneak outside, literally. They're in the facility waiting for players to talk. He's going to do it just for us. So we'll talk about last night's game, more importantly, the injury news to Kyra Lewis when we return. It's the sports hangover on your home for Pelicans basketball, ESPN New Orleans. Sports betting is coming to Louisiana, and there's no better place to get in on the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook. To celebrate, we're giving you $100 in free site credit when you register early. That's right. Register and verify now, and you'll receive a free $100 bonus when we're live. FanDuel Sportsbook is safe, secure, and 100% legal and regulated. The app is easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great offers. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and register now to get $100 in free site credit. Must be 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Bonus issued and non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Louisiana. Go live date. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Happy holidays from Greg LeBlanc Toyota. It's a festive time of year and you can celebrate with fresh new inventory arriving daily. There's great 
great holiday deals at Greg LeBlanc. Amazing stocking stuffers like keys to the all-new redesigned 2022 Tundra. It may be cold outside, but these holiday deals are red hot and won't last long. Greg LeBlanc Toyota, South Hollywood Road in Homa, or online at GregLeBlancToyota.com. Santa may have the sleigh, but Greg's got the holiday deals. Shop now. The cleanup continues from the recent storms, and we want you to know that nobody can get a metal roof or metal building to you faster than Reed's Metals in Brookhaven. For all your metal building components, Reed's Metals has it all in stock. Roll-up doors, insulation, skylights, purlins, and more. Our metal building frames are American-made steel, all put together by certified welders. Metal buildings and everything you need with quick delivery, too. When you call Reed's Metals in Brookhaven, 601-823-6516 or online at reedsmetals.com. Come on, citizen! What are you waiting for? Pick up the phone. We want you to be on the show. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengap. Daniel, I think you need a bit of good news. A little humoring here as well. Sadoransky floats it to Ingram up top. Get it to Herb. Drives on Gordon. Oh! Oh! He threw it down over Jokic. Oh my goodness, Herb! He threw it down! Herb with the punch. That was Herb Jones. Dunk on Jokic. Uh, Daniel, that was a fun call, wasn't it? It was. That was one of the few times that I'm sitting in the studio and actually got up out of my seat and just went nuts because it was just an <laughs> incredible dunk by Herb, an incredible call, call by Todd and J.D. So, yeah, uh, one of the bright spots of last night was Herb Jones with his career-high 19 points. We'll definitely touch on that because I do think it is a bright spot, not just for last night, Daniel, but perhaps for moving forward, especially as, you know, I've talked to you about it here as well. We have no direction as to who starts or not, but when Zion does return, Herb Jones is a starter. I mean, you can't take him off the court, but we'll get to that in a quick second, man. Unfortunately, bad news. I like Kyra Lewis. I thought he was starting to find his place on this year's team and playing a little bit better. Am I wrong on that? It stinks. ACL tear, grade two MCL sprain done for the season. Yeah, you're not wrong, and I think uh, last night was one of the first chances that, you know, Willie was, you know, adamant about the rotation, and it looked like Tyra was going to get those backup point guard minutes, and, and he kind of knew when he was going to be in, he picked the spots, and look, even the five minutes that he played, or six minutes we went down, I mean, he had a three, he had a really nice drive to the rim, five early points, it's just, man, you finally were feeling that it was starting to click for, for Kyra, and that's the that's the really crummy part about this whole thing. And, too, you know, when you talk about an ACL and injury and you're talking about one of the fastest guys on our team, I mean, that's where, I mean, 20 years old in the torn ACL. And you can just tell, uh, talking to Coach Willie Green and just talking to Thomas Sadoransky, just everyone's kind of devastated and it feels really bad for Kyra. Just a tough blow for this team that's been dealing with injuries all season long. And also at that position in particular, Daniel, look, it, it's, a, it's the obvious, right, that this team will – or should improve offensively and open up other things once Zion gets here. But specifically at the guard position, it kind of seems like here we are again in the last couple of seasons. And it's not just getting scoring, because I thought one of the positive things was that every single starter was in double digits last night. But to consistently get from your point guard and shooting guard double-digit points or just consistent shooting, that that's important in today's NBA. You've got to have that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Devontae Graham has kind of been a, a pretty streaky shooter since he's been with the team so far. I know, you know, Willie Green keeps, you know, preaching to him to just continue to be aggressive, continue to get your shots. Um, but now a lot of that's going to have to fall on Sadoransky as well, um, who, you know, I think is starting that Houston game. He had the big the tomahawk dunk um, in Houston. I, I feel like he starting to, was starting to figure out when he was coming in. He was talking about today that second and fourth quarter he was starting – um, the quarter, and so he was kind of feeling that rhythm of, okay, I know when I'm going in, but now that's all been changed as his you know, role has been elevated a little bit more. So that actually might help Thomas as far as kind of, all right, I'm the backup point guard now. You know, I know when I'm going in, I know when I'm playing. So that might, you know, allow him to be a little bit more aggressive, be a little more selfish for himself and make plays for him and others. So, you know, sometimes it just takes a, you know, unfortunately you don't want it to be an injury that, you know, kind of, changes the situation for a guy but this is something that could you know maybe spur Thomas you know kind of get going a little bit yeah no doubt I think when it comes to the backcourt just the guard play again certain things will change when Zion gets in he should have more but looks and also some spacing should help here as well but to the highlight that we opened up the segment with and the player in particular 
you know, I, I feel like when I've had you on or I've had Todd on or anyone else in the last two weeks, I've heard Herb's offense is starting to come along. You're seeing six points, 10 points. You're just seeing him being more aggressive, more comfortable. Last night, as you mentioned, his career high of 19. And not just that, just filling up the box score, which probably isn't surprising when you look at everything that he did last night in being able to put up seven rebounds, three assists, the steal, two blocks here as well to go with the 19. Are, 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 is, is that legit, though? Are we seeing him grow offensively? Yeah, I think what I've noticed from him in the last few games is he's, his ability to cut, I think. And, you know, the Pelicans have struggled in the half-court set. They rely a lot on getting stopped and running in transition. One, Herb is really good at doing that. But I've noticed when he you know, is off the ball in the half-court set that he's been cutting and making plays, which is helping guys like Ingram or Graham find him down low. He's been able to get to the rim a lot more than what I, I usually saw from him. So I think that's been a, a thing for for Herb is, is being a little bit more aggressive on the offensive side. And look, the, the shots are going to start falling from three. Um, he hit one last, I think it was one for two, or he was two for three, I can't remember. But, you know, the three-point shot's starting to fall, and that's, of course, the work with him and Fred Vincent. And you see it every day from some of the videos of Andrew Lopez and Will Guillory and Christian Clark of, of just every day working with Fred Vincent. Um, and so I, I feel like that's really just starting to come along. I think, you know, the defense has already been there, but now the offense is starting to catch up with the defense. And I think a lot of it is just him being aggressive and creating, you know, opportunities for himself by moving without the basketball. And then he's starting to knock down some shots from the outside. Has the life contract, lifetime contract been signed yet by Fred Vince? I mean, you can't learn about the building, can you? I mean, again, I, I've said this before. He's one of those um, – He's one of those employees where just every now and then you walk down that hallway, make sure he's good, family good, need anything, you know, it's a new car, I mean, the house, like, what What do you need? It, it really is amazing. I mean, I know he's referred to as the shot doctor, but working with different players, different players have different methods, different shots, different It's It really is incredible that he's so successful with all makes and models of an NBA player, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're right, because with Lonzo Ball, it was it was released with his shot, you know, was a little off. And then when Fred worked with him, it changed. With Herb, a lot of it is his footwork. And I was asking Antonio Daniels about this because, you know, Todd and I talk about it, all the shots that he has, you know, stepping on the, the three-point line and having these long twos. And I'm like, what is it with Herb? Is it not him finding the line? And he goes, well, you know, when he, at Alabama, he, he really uses that lead left foot to shoot those shots instead of, you know, leveling his feet you know, vertically or horizontally. And, you know, that's something that he's working on is seat placement and not using that left foot so much when he takes that jump shot. It's little things like that that Fred is the one that recognizes and what he's working on with Herb Jones. And, it, and some of it is his release and things like that too. But, like, that's the stuff that Fred has to look at. It's top to bottom. It's not just part of your right. shot, whether it's your shoulders or your arms. It's your, your footwork as well. And I think that's something that, you know, with Herb, being the constant professional that he is, working at it so much that that's why you're seeing the results so quickly because he puts in the time with Fred, and, and Fred's there all day working with him. Okay, we have to get to the things that do need improving on. Daniel, the Herb and Coach Green touched on one and nine now in game certain game situations. Explain what exactly that means. Is it what? Situations and games at which they had an opportunity to perhaps win that just didn't come away with it? It's called clutch time situations, and the clutch time is any time the game is within five points in the last five minutes. And you can go in and out of that. If you're up four and shoot a three and you're up seven, you're no longer in clutch time. So, like, if you look at the stats and it shows how many minutes you're in clutch time, that's because just because you're in the last five minutes and at some point you were within that five points doesn't mean you're in it the entire time. And so when the Pelicans are in that situation, they are one of nine. And so they got that one win in Utah. And actually that Devontae Graham three that secured the win was the first three-pointer they made in clutch time all season long. So they were 0% from three up until that game against Utah right after Thanksgiving. So and actually heading into last night's game, Herb Jones was your lead scoring clutch time with 11. I'm not sure what the updated stats are. But, yeah, it's been a struggle for this team that when they're in these situations, out of the 10 times they've been in it, they've only had one win. And I think a Will Guillory article say that they're – one of the bottom teams in the last three years. So it's just something that last night Willie kind of touched on today about he's called them brain farts, you know, a couple times where, you know, balls were out of bounds as far as turnovers were concerned. I think they were their own worst enemy last night. 
and some of it comes from lack of execution down the stretch offensively. So, uh, yeah, you can point to a, a myriad of things that of why it's not going well. But last night, I think, kind of was the uh, you know the pinnacle of the the problem of you know you had a five point lead with two minutes to go, and yeah. uh, you know Brandon Ingram with that foul to give them three shots to force overtime. Basically, I mean that was just an absolute killer. Yeah, you can, look, six turnovers by him and six by Josh Hart. You, you definitely see what he brings to the roster and, and where that will be. Look, I I've, I think Herb's in there, right? Is that two spots, that second quote-unquote guard, really going to be one that is up for grabs until somebody takes it, whether it's Nikhil, whether it's Hart, whether it's somebody else once Zion comes back? Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to look when Zion comes back. You know, if I had to guess, I think, you know, Josh Hart last year was such that spark off the bench that wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, put him there. Um, you know, they take him out of there and you have Zion, you have Jonas, you have Herb Jones. I mean, you could leave Josh Hart in there, but, you know, you have to have Brandon Ingram as well. So, you know, you could be going a little bit bigger um, and then Devontae. So, yeah, I think I think everything's up for grabs right now, honestly. I think you you haven't seen the consistency. That's been the word that's been floating around. I mean, Akil had one of his better games yesterday, 15 points on 6-10 shooting, but now you got to see that for two, three, four games in a row. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, one, Willie's going to have to figure it out now, a new rotation without Tyra Lewis, and then he's going to have to figure it out again um, when Zion gets back. And that was a question asked today. He says it's part of the game. You know, he's had a tinker with Linus all season long, and what – thinks about this situation is I think he finally had a nine-man rotation solidified what he was going to do and now he's got to not start over but he's got to you know add Sadoransky in there how long he's in the play and whether we see Jose Alvarado a little bit more now um, we'll be up to Willie but I mean they'll have another chance tomorrow to see how that plays out. Daniel Salerson as always man appreciate the time thank you for um, you know fighting some time especially while you're still legitimately working right now. Uh, What's coming up uh, on Pelicans Weekly? Yeah, Gary Clark is on with uh, Todd Graffini. A great interview, a great soundbite from him uh, on just joining the team. And then uh, Aaron Summers talks with Josh Hartwell. NBA superlatives, his favorite dunk, most embarrassing moment, all that good stuff. So, yeah, 6 o'clock on ESPN New Orleans. And if you miss, it'll be available on Pelicans.com shortly after. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Anytime, Gus. At D. Salerson's the way to follow him over on social media. Quick break. When we come back, Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. We'll get his impressions and thoughts on what happened championship weekend and his thoughts moving forward as the first recruiting period is coming up next Wednesday. And I, I want to get his impression, too, on how it is. Honestly, I I referred to him to my friends last night and this morning. Like, the the fan base with the constant assessment, state the, the state of the team assessment via Twitter. It's like by the hour, by the commit, decommit. By the staff hire, by the staff fire. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of offensive coordinators, analysts, defensive coordinators, athletic directors that, that are popping out of the word work right now. Sports Hangover continues next on ESPN New Orleans. Let's play everyone's favorite game, Mississippi Mudslinging, where Mississippi casinos spend big and wide the St. Tammany voters. First question, Mississippi casinos are saying a yes vote for Camellia Bay could mean other casinos in St. Tammany. Is this fact or fiction? Well, it was on Facebook. It's one big lie. The December vote authorizes just one resort at one slide L location. Our Constitution requires a parish-wide vote every time a casino tries to move. Next question. Mississippi casinos are calling Camellia Bay a truck stop casino. Are they right or wrong? They're wrong. It's no truck stop. Camellia Bay has a four-star hotel. They've got a convention center. And a lazy river. You're all correct. St. Tammany, don't let Mississippi have all the fun. Mississippi casinos are funding a campaign of lies to keep you from getting what they already have. Paid for by the North Shore Winds. 
Offshore workers are among the most important members of the Gulf Coast workforce. When a person working offshore or on a vessel is injured, the effects on their family can be devastating. At the King Firm, we are proud to have experience with these types of cases and make it a priority to see that our clients receive just compensation and are treated fairly. If you've been injured, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. Ring the King at 504-909-KING or 888-241-8766. They say that once you give him control, he'll own your brain forever. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Thursdays during the college football season, we've been blessed to have Mr. Chip Patterson at Chip underscore Patterson. Wrapping it up here until, of course, we start getting into the championship games. Chip, as always, appreciate the time. How are you, man? Man, I'm beat up. <laughs> it's been one of the craziest coaching carousel college yeah. football news, you know, a historic season. Like I, I did uh, the, I wrote up the piece for the CBS Sports All America team that posted today, and in the intro to the piece, like I wanted to sit down. I was like, how do we encapsulate this season? Because everything from you know the fans being back across the country, mm-hmm. you know, we had a summer of name, image, and likeness, college football playoff expansion, conference realignment. Like it really felt like the the season was one of the most anticipated in modern history. And look, it delivered. Like when Alabama lost to Texas A and M in early October, it was sure. the 40th ranked team to lose. I mean, you could fill an entire top 25 with ranked teams that had wow. lost very early in the season. And sure enough, what do we finish with? Michigan beats Ohio State. Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. And a group of five team gets in the college football playoff. So, like, it's been a crazy season. It's been a crazy coaching carousel. And it's, uh, it's I'm very, very thankful that I've been able to cover it all for sure. It really has had a ton of storylines. And, you know, it was great. Yeah, that moment when the Aggies, when you're like, hi, oh, see, I told you they were vulnerable all season long, Alabama. And then there's Auburn. Like, you see, you're, oh, wow. And I, I almost feel, though, like, I watched Bryce Young kind of grow before my eyes in the last two, three weeks. Like, money time, right? I mean, I, I'm being honest, right? I mean, you you saw him at times this season, you know, manage the game. And, and then that Arbor game to me was like, I'm going to go win it. Like, because of Bryce Young, Alabama won. That Georgia, because of Bryce Young. I, I, am I right on that assessment that towards the end of the season, Bryce Young became a, if not the reason Alabama won. Oh, he is. So there's a big debate. Um, you know, like there's a lot, a lot of fans who would have liked to see Alabama linebacker Will Anderson be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And I understand. Like he's, he absolutely, I think is going to show up as a top four, top five vote getter. He didn't make the top three. Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson did. And that really seems to be the thorn in the side for Crimson Tide fans. But my only counter, and this would not be a counter as to why he should not be a finalist, but if you have to make tough choices, who do you think is more individually responsible for Alabama having the number one seed in the college football playoff? Was it Will Anderson or was it Bryce Young? And I think everyone knows what that answer is, and I think that answer is why you can probably make a pretty good call of who's going to get the stiff arm trophy on Saturday night. You can just see it too, right? Like the, the confidence level and really the demeanor in the leadership um, to, to the point where I, I you know, it would be nice if the Saints could get them, but we got to wait a couple of years for that to happen, though. Well, what's so, scary, speaking yeah. of like waiting a couple of years, is uh, Alabama has a couple of awesome wide receivers who are all true freshmen. Like the, the recruiting class that was brought in, so I guess the 2021 class, mm-hmm. like, that group, uh, JoJo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks, Ajay Hall, like there's some freaks in that group. And one thing that I've seen in the college football playoff era is freshmen will sometimes make a leap from the end of the regular season to the start of the college football playoff. Mm. There's something about the, the grind of the season ends. You know, the right. campus clears out. You really get to, like, lock in. There's not many distractions. Uh, I think back to Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross in the 2018 season massive jump from where he was producing at the end of Clemson's regular season to being like a 100-yard receiver, I think, in both the semifinal win against Notre Dame and the win against Alabama. And so as you're looking at Alabama after John Mechie's injury, we're looking at Ja'Cory Brooks. We're looking at some of those other guys. And Nick Saban said, he was like, look, the reason why these young wide receivers can thrive and are ready to thrive is because of the confidence they get from their quarterback. 
their quarterback does a great job of leading and empowering them to let them know that he trusts them out on the field. Mm -hmm. So your comment about leadership from everything I've caught from the Alabama program, it sure seems spot on. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Michi, uh, if if that was going to be an issue with with him, but there you go. They they got some players there. Michigan, Iowa, that was an impressive – you said I was going to have trouble scoring – on that defense, and look, they, they put up 21 in the fourth quarter. That game was over early. That was clearly them making sure, at the very least, there were two trying to be one, right? Um, what, like, you thought that was Michigan? Yeah, Michigan against oh, I Iowa putting up 42. 42 for, um, you know, they had the patches <laughs> on with the number 42. Oh, I thought, okay. I, I have not confirmed that, but as it was happening, I, I would not have been surprised. That would fall in line with, uh, uh, that, that would fall in line with how this Michigan team seems to have really embraced the storybook. I cannot confirm that, but that was my assumption. I didn't think that he was running it up for style points on the college football playoff side. I thought it was more of an in-memoriam type uh, notion. How good is McNamara? Uh, not good enough to uh, to not be a potential liability against Georgia. He ain't Bryce Young, that is for sure. And that's probably the most important thing to look at in this matchup is he ain't Bryce Young. Now, I think McNamara, if I was to power rank all the quarterbacks in the college football playoff, I would put him ahead of Stetson Bennett. So Michigan, by my analysis, does have the better quarterback. Um, But I do think that that quarterback is still a good distance away from Bryce Young, who who just obviously threw for 421 yards against the Bulldogs defense. They both are going to want to do the same thing. They're both going to want to win the line of scrimmage. They're both going to want to run the ball very well. Obviously, Michigan with Hassan Haskins, uh, you know, Georgia trotting out there with uh, Zamir White, um, you know, the rest of that group, James Cook. And, you know, when it comes to defensively, both of them want to get you in obvious passing situations on third down so they can let their pass rushers lose. You know, Georgia obviously collapsing from the inside with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt hitting you from the outside with N'Kobe Dean and those other linebackers. For Michigan, it's letting Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo tee off. They're the same team. They're just located in different parts of the country with, mm-hmm. you know, a slightly different talent edge. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say a talent edge to the Georgia Bulldogs. But I, I'm I, that's a game where, as they said it, what they say, is it still sitting around seven, seven and a half on the point spread right now? I can double check here real quick. I think that was the last time I saw it. Scroll, scroll, scroll. So, regardless, I would say it's a fair spread for a, a game that I ultimately think is a coin flip. And I'll repeat it because I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want it to be understood. I, I think the seven and a half is a fair number for the matchup, but ultimately it's a coin flip game. Wow. Maybe you think that's a reason to take Michigan in the points because, hey, we've got all these points. Sure. But a coin flip game sometimes ends with a 10 point margin, right? A couple breaks go the wrong way in the third or fourth quarter late touchdown you end up losing that cover so I, I don't want you know to give away too much i don't want to give someone too much confidence but mm-hmm. it, would michigan win wouldn't surprise me georgia wins obviously they're favored i'll tell you what though i do think that the winner of michigan georgia because of the challenges that they will face trying to beat each other may be in a better position to win the national championship and i may find myself wanting to pick whoever wins that game hmm. uh, to go on and win in Indianapolis. Interesting. So Cincinnati's going to face Bama right now to 13.5 point favorite uh, for the Tide. What do you think of the quarterback Ryder? And more importantly, I've seen whether it's Herb Street and, and others, aha, now you can stop complaining. They, you know, you finally have somebody in that, you know, is, is a group of five. I, I, if Baylor doesn't make the stop, is Cincinnati in? Because that seems to be an argument out there. I just think it's disrespectful to Cincinnati. I agree. And yeah, like just to be like to turn the narrative from let's celebrate Cincinnati and its season to aha proved it to you, you know, to turn this into a big naysayers. Like I just I think it's disrespectful to what was a very, very good team, excelled all season, you know, uh you know, put them by any opponent adjusted metric. They were still a quality football team that took care of business. Was the strength of schedule worse than the rest of the college football playoff? Absolutely. We also watched that team go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. 
they looked incredibly impressive going up against Houston at the end of the season. And they play when when Cincinnati plays, I think it was the third quarter against Houston. When Cincinnati is able to put together four quarters of what it did in the third quarter, then Cincinnati can hang with Alabama. I just don't have a lot of faith that that's going to happen. And as I look at the matchup, I think that while Cincinnati will be able to slow Bryce Young down, maybe even as good or better than Georgia was, I think that when the uh, when Desmond Ritter and the Cincinnati Bearcats offense right. has the ball, I don't know how much they're going to be able to move it. And I don't know how many points they're going to score just because that Cincinnati offensive line uh, doesn't often have to face uh, an opponent like Alabama. And those skill position players, including, remember, Jerome Ford, the running back who was at Alabama, mm-hmm. it, it's just a little bit of a different caliber. Uh, Desmond right. Ritter is very good, and I could see him having his moments against Alabama's defense. <laughs> but over the course of four quarters, I kind of look at it like Alabama could play its B-minus game. And look, we've seen Alabama play its B-minus game. LSU fans have seen Alabama. I mean, LSU had a fantastic game plan. You think Luke Fickle can come up with a fantastic game plan? In fact, I I should have mentioned this earlier. You know what, Gus? I think that Luke Fickle and his defensive staff are looking at the Auburn game and the LSU game probably more than anything. And they're thinking, what can we learn from them? Obviously, we're not going to have, you know, the same caliber of players on the defensive line, but we've got two All-American future NFL pros in the defensive backfield in Ahmad Gardner and Kobe Bryant. So, if we can man up against these Alabama receivers and trust them the way that LSU trusted its corners and the way that Auburn trusted its corners and then just send the house at Bryce Young, LSU and Auburn put together a playbook to limit him. Again, I just don't know how many points Cincinnati can score. So I could see it being one of those ugly, low-scoring games where the score is technically close, but you never doubt whether Alabama will win. Interesting. Got about two minutes here, and I want to get your take on what I've experienced the last, I guess, week and a half. And and by the day, I, I mentioned it with all the coaching changes, hiring and firing in the staff, the Twitter or fan base state of the program assessors. I mean, <laughs> it's either, you know, trending upwards or this was a terrible hire because somebody commits or decommits or a, a staff member is hired or fired. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, honestly, like the, the name a school, any school. I mean, people hate Napier in Florida because he got rid of the defensive backs coach. Here comes Corey Raymond. Yes. Fantastic. LSU. No Kevin Falk lose Corey Raymond. Now, it, you know, now you see this is why Kelly should have come. I, it's, it's literally by the hour fan base assessment of the state of the team based on commits, decommits, and staff and hires and fires. When you tell us what the salaries are and they're numbers that we've never seen before, then we're going to overreact. Brian Kelly's contract, every single move is going to be scrutinized publicly. Uh, Billy Napier making, what is it, seven, seven and change Mm -hmm. for a a group of five head coaches who's been a head coach for all of five seasons Mm -hmm. uh, to be – Jumping from the Sun Belt to the SEC and making seven five—that's um, that's in, uh, that is wild. And and to think about the grading uh, and the scrutiny that is coming, just less than one week away with National Signing Day. Um, you know this this is only going to be something that you're experiencing, Gus, and it's going to continue uh, all the way through Brian Kelly's debut at the beginning of next season. Who's this offense coordinator? If you had to give. Give a big guess. I have no idea. I like, don't even have I don't the know. slightest clue. <laughs> who who are they saying? Like I don't even know who he's been trying to interview. Uh, or contact. Well, we we had Brody Miller on from the Athletic earlier in the week, and he threw out Levy, who went to Oklahoma, and he said another right. name he had heard was Bryles from Arkansas, Kendall. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, makes sense. Here's like, I don't look at Brian Kelly as necessarily like an X's and O's scheme guy. I think that while he is like from the offensive side and generally over his career has sure. you know leans more towards taking care of the offense and handling handling it himself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at Cincinnati, you know, almost infamously, I I think that Cincinnati as an offensive coach and as an offensive leader, I give him the most credit for having a good understanding of how to establish an identity, mm-hmm. and it's, so it's less of a play calling. 
and maybe even less about the X's and O's scheme type stuff. But he does a really good job of leading uh, an offensive staff and an offense to a place where there's an established identity. I think we saw it, you know, at one point where it was like just ground and pound. Then we were running the ball, but we were doing it up-tempo. Now we're, like, beating you up with our matchup advantages at the tight end position. He does a really good job of identifying what a team does well offensively and where they can use that to their advantage. Does that make sense? Like, it's less X of those play calling, but really, really good at being able to establish an offensive identity. And sometimes that can be so important because nothing's more frustrating than looking out at your favorite team on the field and being like, what do we do out here? <laughs> LSU fans did that a lot this past season, Chip, no doubt about it. I didn't even get to ask you where you think Max Johnson might go. We'll do all of that, man. I'll have you on again, if you don't mind, right before the national championship games in, uh, in the semifinals, buddy. Sounds good. Y'all be well. I appreciate it. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. We'll put a bow on today's show when we come back. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. At Thibodeau Regional, we're proud to announce we've received HealthGrade's 2017 Outstanding Patient Experience and Patient Safety Excellence Awards. What's more, we're the only hospital in Louisiana to achieve both awards four years in a row. Why should this matter? Because it confirms two things, our commitment to quality and your satisfaction, both very important when it comes to your family's health care. Thibodeau Regional, once again recognized by Health Grades for providing outstanding quality care. For more info, go to Thibodeau.com. I'm Pablo Torre, host of ESPN Daily, where every morning we present the best sports story of the day. And ESPN Daily is presented by Supercuts. Supercuts is the perfect way to get a haircut if you're someone who doesn't have time for a haircut. You just check in on the Supercuts app or you walk in for a quality cut. The highly trained stylist at Supercuts can always give you that fresh cut feeling fast. And it's not just any haircut, it's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on Supercuts.com. He's back. He's like the thing that wouldn't shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Vikings, Steelers. He got tonight. Thursday night football. Line is Minnesota a three-point favorite at home. So Steelers at the Vikings. Minnesota a three-point favorite. I was listening to Greeny this morning here on ESPN, and this could be the uh, the Zimmer locker room game. It's going to be a tarmac game because you're not flying. But there's some people reporting out there or feeling that the Vikings lose tonight after losing to the Lions last week. Zimmer could be fired after the game. I, I still don't know if that's right now. I mean, at this point, you're still 5-7 and seven. again. You look at the standings in the NFL, and it's kind of remarkable. I don't know if it's a good thing or not because, you know, we did go through that year where we made fun of the NFC East, right? Remember when you had somebody make the playoffs under 500? But right now, you have, to me, and I, look, I, I think it's very top-heavy. Cards are good, 10-2. and two. Packers are good, nine and three. I do think the Bucks are good, nine and three. Dallas can play good at times, and when they do, they're not a bad team, eight and four. The Rams started out playing really good football. I think they're having some confidence issues right now, though, but they're eight and four. Washington, six and six. And the seventh seed right now is San Francisco, six and six. If you've watched the 49ers play this year, I mean, you saw the Washington game. I think there's a line. Cards, Packs, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, I think are better than Washington, the Niners, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Panthers, the Falcons. They're the Saints at 5-7. and seven. Giants 4-8, and eight, Bears 4-8, and eight, Seattle 4-8, and, and the Lions 1-10 in the NFC. Point being, San Francisco 6-6, six and six, keepers and holders currently of the 7th seed. Problem is, Philly, three of the four teams above the Saints, 
have beaten them. Philly, Falcons, Panthers. So I guess if you're a Saints fan, you got to go full Pittsburgh tonight. Regardless, right, who likes the Vikings anyway? But yes, you'll go full Pittsburgh tonight, hoping that the Steelers and Big Ben Roethlisberger can pull out a win here on the road because that will benefit the Saints. As the Vikings would then drop to 5-8, and eight. hopefully the Saints can win. They go to 6-7, and seven, where the Eagles are right now. And again, you do face the Panthers and Falcons in the final two games of the regular season. The old, you can control your own destiny sort of thing. To an extent, I do think they can. But to me right now where I'm at, it's, it's, it's winnable. They're winnable games. I'm not saying they're wins or must wins. Philly, by the way, at 6-7, and seven, bye week. Four teams on a bye week. Got Philly, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Colts. So Philly cannot improve their 6-7 and seven record. Saints can move up to 6-7 and seven with a win. That's why it's a, kind of a big game, no doubt. Now, Paulson Debo had this to say on the five-game losing streak yesterday, Saints cornerback. Um, yeah, I guess you can kind of feel it. I mean, it's, it's my first year here, so I'm still just trying to, yeah. you know, learn from the older guys and just try to take away uh, anything that they've kind of learned throughout their careers, uh, being on a bunch of different teams. So kind of talking to the older guys and how do you come back from a situation like this. But as far as me just trying to learn from them, I don't really, you know, have too much of the wisdom yet. So. Yeah. One of the things he said, Sean Payton did rather, yesterday morning when he first met with the media on this Wednesday morning conference call, he talked about the team's tackling. I wouldn't say so. I, I don't I don't I don't think so. I mean, just put the tape on, you guys all have the copy. And and honestly, I don't think the effort's been where it needs to be either. Um just watch the watch the big plays and, and see what you think. I mean I challenged them this morning in the meeting. it's Look, it's hard to play good team defense if all 11 aren't playing. So if 10 are on the screen and you don't see number 11 or 11 shows up 20 to 30 yards downfield, it's hard to play good defense. And and so that needs to be improved. I want to kind of approach that tomorrow. As here's what Paulson Adebo said the defense can do better. Let me do a lot of things better. I know personally I just kind of try to focus on what I can do better. Um, you know, looking back at the film, you know, am I, am I in the correct spots? Am I making all the, the right calls? Am I, um, you know, busting coverage? Am I covering my dude every time? So I kind of just try to focus on my my part of the puzzle. But I want to kind of touch on this tomorrow. Has the Saints defense not been playing up to par? Or is it just, again, I think a byproduct of when your offense can't get first downs, can't score? You're asking a lot of them. You're asking a lot of them. They aren't playing the way they played at the beginning of the season. And I think it's because the offense is not playing anywhere near and even back then, it wasn't exactly great, but it's a tough one. Anyway, tomorrow we will break down a little bit more on the Jets and Saints game here as well. Plus, don't forget, Pelicans take on the Pistons tomorrow. I'll have four tickets to give away. Matt Moscone, after further review, is next. Thank you for tuning us in. It's the Sports Hangover.